2: Well, hello there, dearest Motherboarders. This is your former Editor-in-Chief, Derek Mead here, welcoming you to a very special edition of Radio Motherboard. Why is it so special? I was actually just going to ask that question (laughs) because I'm introducing you, Jason Kebler, who was formerly the Senior Staff
1: Writer for Motherboard, but now... I'm the new Editor-in-Chief. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! This is a passing of the torch episode of Radio Motherboard. I'm literally holding a torch right now, and yeah. it absolutely is insane. It's extremely hot in the studio. <laughs> yeah,
2: so actually, uh, yeah, so we're here today um, because I actually get to grill Jason about uh, what he thinks about the site, what his vision is for the future, um, and how he's going to continue to entertain, educate um and generally enlighten all of you uh, out there in motherboard land uh, hopefully i'm really hoping you don't fuck this
1: up yeah well i've been doing it for a week and we still have a website so that's good <laughs> step one is su- success fantastic oh, sure. yeah. yeah how long have you been at motherboard now it's been four years uh yeah i started freelancing four years ago and i was making a few bucks a blog post writing three or four a day for a couple months and then you hired me as a staff writer yeah and then everything's been beautiful ever since then
2: um cool so how do you feel about uh now having to take over a uh um a website that has grown from basically three people literally in the basement of vice um into a multinational multi platform multi format uh multi
1: award winning superstar uh, success of a of a publication no pressure <laughs> <laughs> You sent an email announcing this to our staff, and I went through the list, mm-hmm. and there were many people on that list that I didn't even know, which means I have a lot to learn. Um, we are all over the world and all over the place. Um, I think, how many offices do we have? That's your job now. Yes. Uh, Part of this is Derek got promoted. He's not going away completely. No, I'm, uh, no, I'm just being shifted about. So I am now the
2: uh, executive editor for Vice's Global Operations, which is very fun. And to answer your question, Motherboard is in seven offices, if you count the US, which I do, because we're not centered anywhere, we're
1: everywhere. Right. Yeah. I knew that, but for the record, seven. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited. I think that you've set a really good example for what motherboard can be. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, I just want to make sure it's in safe hands. And I've watched you build it. And I think we've got a great team here. And Mm -hmm. I I just like, without sounding extremely lame, I think I just want to protect it and protect the future that we've built here and make sure that mm-hmm. this site continues to grow.
2: Yeah, and it, uh, it has grown a lot and it has a fantastic team, which is good. Um, I think uh, I want to put you on the spot right now because there's an old uh, joke uh, at Motherboard that goes all the way back to our founding editor, Alice Pasternak, and uh, his original deputy editor, Sean Eaton, Um, which is that no one has ever been able to explain what motherboard actually is like the elevator pitch for motherboard is almost impossible because it's basically like it's a tech site for humans. It's a tech site about the future. It's like talks about how like technology is influencing the world, the way the world is evolving and like all this other stuff that I have said millions of times as editor in chief of motherboard and trying to say as many like elevator pitches as possible. But for you, how do you define motherboard to our brilliant
1: and wonderful listeners out there? Um, I think it's a site that is populist first and foremost. it makes sure that technology works for people and if it's not working for people, we're going to say why it's not. So uh, I don't want to be I don't want to be like an adversarial site, but I also want to be a site that stands up for the little guy. So I want to tell the stories of the people like the hackers, the DIY people, the grassroots activists who are making sure that technology works for the masses more or less yeah i think that's uh that's wonderful i mean that's
2: i think the most important thing we can hear and i hopefully um you know the um readers motherboards uh you know audience um agrees with that as well i mean i think they definitely do because that's usually the stuff that people uh connect the most with and talk the most about and i think where it can have the most impact so i'm really excited to see that Um, and you have some very good Bonafides fides and talking about tech populism tech freedom um the ownership that people have over their own gadgets and kind of how we're losing that um so i'm curious how do you feel about the future of our ownership of our gadgets like are we going to continue to own anything like does ownership disappear
1: i don't think ownership's going to disappear i think through my own reporting i've found that there are people fighting back against this idea that big tech companies have to own everything in our lives like for instance when uber left austin 10 new startups and nonprofits uh, picked up to, to replace it. And Austin hasn't missed that at all. We have people who are building their own internet networks to sort of circumvent the sort of monopolistic, gigantic ISP networks that people seem to hate. And I think that we're seeing that in every sector. Like we're seeing DIY biology, we're seeing DIY uh manufacturing and I think that it's just gonna continue. Yeah, I think I mean I hope so. What I've always tried to do in my reporting mm-hmm. is find like the smallest possible story and or the smallest possible group of people who are doing something and then seeing if that's happening on like a wider trend. So I've tried to find like the iPhone repair person and see what they're like what is inside the iPhone A, what's actually in there, how how is it made? Where does it come from? And what is stopping someone from fixing it themselves? And then you sort of start talking to the people who are obsessed with this one tiny little thing and it suddenly blows up into a much larger thing, which is the fact that large tech companies are trying to control their products. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see that across not just iPhones, but tractors and all sorts of other technology. And I think what we need to do is just find those People who are obsessed with things and tell their stories and sort of really find out like what movements they're a part of. Yeah, I mean that's that's what
2: excites me the most about what Motherboard has done in the past, and I think that's what excited us the most about talking to you about this role. Um, is that you know tech is a human story is the same thing that I always say, and I've like in the past couple of years have very much gone in the direction of being obsessive over the way the world works and like kind of taking a global view of this. Um, but I think that's kind of lost the mark of what has always made Motherboard great, which is individual people and looking at very individual, specific people, what they're doing and what they believe in. And your obsession with that um, only is good for the site, I would think. Um, And, you know, that really excited us, you know, and I think that gives us a bright future to talk about those people who are influential. And, you know, I might uh, just go on a weird digression here. But when I think about this, um, and I think about Motherboard's place right now um, in the world, If you look at the 90s and anything before that you know if you look at like the history of like you know early computing uh for personal computing in the 70s or whatever everyone had to build their own thing but it was in the 90s where it was like Everything's starting to become corporatized. Everything's starting to become accessible to anyone. So you're starting to see people then really fight for, like, this is what we want. This is what we think is better. It's not just this vision of, like, the Internet through AOL or the Internet as, like, this weird, like, you know, booming dot-com thing. It was, like, we also want to fight for what we believe in and what we want to do. We don't want to get pushed out of these digital spaces. Um, and then late 90s, early 2000s, everything become uh Apple-fied. Um, And I think it's a good thing. Uh, I think Apple is an incredibly influential company. And they just said, we're going to take care of you. Use our products and trust us that we know better than you at how to use them. Um, In a lot of ways, I think that's a valid point. And, I mean, look at the iPhone. It brought a lot of people into an entirely new era of computing. And you can also look at the original iMacs, which was in every school. All that stuff. It was like, here, here's a safe way to engage with technology. And I think that was a good era for it. But now we're at the point where this like, kind of like patriarchal approach to caring for your users is actually just saying like you can't use things because we're more caring about us as a company or us as a corporation. And that's where I think we need to swing back in this direction. And that's where Motherboard becomes a very important um, in the landscape of representing those people's interests. And I honestly don't think that I was ever the right person to do that, but I do think that you are. And this is something that's very exciting, is to say like you have to go out there and fight for the people.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Apple because... Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, they say that they know better than us and in a lot of ways that they'll take care of us. And in a lot of ways, Apple is one of the few companies that has taken care of its users. Like it's one of the only few massive tech companies that has made privacy like its Mm -hmm. core thing. Um, You know, it makes a lot of its money by selling hardware and software, whereas Google and Facebook have monetized themselves by monetizing their user data, Mm -hmm. which is a much different business model than Apple has. And I think that's it's interesting that you bring it up because Mm -hmm. Apple to an extent, sort of kept that promise, but when other companies saw that if you make tech easy, you can monetize it in different ways, that's when it started getting a little dangerous for people i think
2: yeah, no, I agree um you know it's the excessive the rapid accessibility of tech went from being. You know, there's always been monetary considerations about anything. So, like, you know, we think we can put that to the side for one second. And then the other barriers to access are, can I understand this and use this? Or is there actually a way to offset any monetary consideration in a very drastic way? And Apple said, like, here, look, it's everything's white and shiny. It's not scary. And it won't, like, destroy your house if, like, you put a computer in it or whatever. You won't get hacked. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting proposition um, And then everything else that's subsidized by data is nuts anyone you talk to about data brokers or data uh, Analysis or like, um, you know insights on audience anything like that There's just so much money that can now be made based on the incredible amount of information around there that people know about you specifically um, That we don't ever talk about um, and that's a really divergent course So where do you think what which one do you think is going to succeed? Yes. To clarify, a, yeah, yeah which one do you think which succeed? is the, model like, is succeed yeah, yeah, as the like
1: privacy one or the, the privacy as luxury thing. or data yeah. as accessibility? There is a really interesting article I read the other day that suggested that the surveillance state is going to be incredibly convenient. And I think we've started to see that in terms of you can have an Amazon Echo and a dash button and all of these things use machine learning and your previous buying habits to sort of predict and just make life much easier for you. And Um, There are obviously privacy concerns that come along with this, but it's just so easy. And so I think it's really going to take people are going to need to be informed about like what they're giving up in exchange for this convenience. And people are going to have to decide whether they're OK with that or not. And if people are OK with it, uh, I think it's just kind of on us to make sure that it doesn't go overboard. We don't want to end up in like an extremely scary dystopia where you know, things show up at our house before we even order them. Or there's a story a few years ago about how Target knew that a woman was pregnant before she even did based on her browsing habits and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so I think it's just calling attention to that sort of thing. And then, you know, we can't can't pick winners or losers, but I think we can just give as much information as possible and talk about the people Mm -hmm. and the companies that are making these decisions and fighting either fighting for us or against us and sort of just put that information out there yeah and also find the bad guys and fuck them up exactly (laughs) (laughs) i uh right
2: now um I'm reading the, uh, uh, what is a quartet of books? Anyway, I'm reading the Hyperion series. It's an 80s sci-fi, pretty sure it's from the 80s. Uh, Legendary, someone out there is gonna be laughing at me because I'm reading it just now. One of the conceits in the early, uh, the first two books, you know, everyone's connected to this uh, basically net that covers all of the different worlds that all humans live on, and it's just basically just a data sphere of everything. You can access it anytime. Uh, It's really interesting because people just are basically hooked into information constantly, and that's their entire life. And like basically no one can read because why would you ever need to? Um, And it feels uh, like terrifyingly prescient as I'm like, you know, I spent the last two weeks uh, with only 2G data on my phone and I'm constantly stressed out because I can't get things to load fast enough. And I'm like, what am I? Like I'm fucked. Like I'm not connected. What's going on? What's going on? Um, How do you feel about the future of humans in our role in just like this information, just barrage we're constantly getting?
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of reporting and writing about Mm -hmm. what, is happening to us because of technology like it's hard to say because humans evolve so much slower than our technology has and so what are the mental effects of getting notifications every two seconds what it was are the effects of being on all the time we really don't know like it's this big experiment that we're doing and uh you know we're all just like sort of doing our best to tread water and survive and in some cases thrive but it's like what what happens when there are no more jobs? Like what happens when robots take over everything? Uh, and not not to be bleak, like th- this could be a very good future in which mm-hmm. you know we don't have to do sort of menial and dangerous jobs. But it's going to require sort of like the political systems and safety nets to make sure that this works for humans rather than sort of enriches a couple people and creates like what is my favorite term from one of our stories a couple years ago. A permanent underclass of mm-hmm. humans that have been put there by technology. Yeah, I uh, was listening to what you were saying, but also feeling very
2: itchy, like I want to look at my phone when you talk about <laughs> yeah. notifications, which sucks. I hate it. Uh, so, what kind of, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing Motherboard could do, like in my opinion, you know, is to look back and say, like, hey, we actually uh, tore apart or at least examined the stratification of like what you said, creating a permanent underclass. But Mm -hmm. how do you actually want to do that? What kind of uh, stories you're interested in? Like, what do you want to dive into?
1: Yeah, I really want to just like lift up the people who are fighting for a more equal tech sphere, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So um, we talked about Uber a little bit already, but um, if Uber disappears or if There's a backlash against it. What replaces it? Could it be, you know, 50 Ubers, one in every city and it's owned locally or it's a nonprofit or something like that? Um, Right now, that hasn't really worked. Like mesh networking and smaller rideshare type things haven't worked because they're not as convenient and not as well developed Mm -hmm. as Uber is. Like Uber is so convenient and so much better than its competitors. And Lyft is like so much better than, you know, whatever the third tier one is. And so what needs to happen is these sort of like DIY and open source tech stuff needs to be at a level that normal people can use it. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to basically see like what is holding some of this stuff back? Like what is holding mesh networking back? What is holding CRISPR back from being sort of accessible to everyone? What is hold, what is keeping it, so expensive or inaccessible or Mm -hmm. in the hands of just a few people rather than the masses
2: yeah i love that like i'm really really happy to hear that and i hope that um all of you people listening at home and on the road do as well because i think that's just so central to what motherboard should be um and i think that that's something that uh can fall by the wayside or had um partially because I uh, am a fairly cynical person, I think. Um, There's been a joke for, another joke about Motherboard for years is that Motherboard is extremely dark. So bleak.
0: (laughs) I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job
1: on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: <laughs> uh, some people uh, here at Vice um, have a strong perception of that, and I'm trying not to burst out laughing thinking about this. Um, but I think that, you know, Motherboard has always skewed to be, not pessimistic, but focusing on negative things because it's like I've always uh, been a bit of the mind that, like, if we're going to fix things in the world, let's focus on problems because if something is working well, then, you know, who cares? It's working well. Let's move on. Let's fix stuff that's fucked up. But uh, I think I realized the follies of my ways uh, at some point because if you're not highlighting what's good then no one realizes it's even there and I think that's where you end up becoming into these very binary conversations where you're talking about Uber right now and I actually wanted to ask you is it Uber or are you talking about ride sharing as a whole and you were talking about Uber in that case But it's right. like, what like, Uber
1: does is it connects yeah. a local driver to a local rider yeah. there's no need for that to be centered in Silicon Valley it yeah. should be centered locally
2: that's like. exactly my point and then when you take the approach of like we need to focus on problems which you obviously obviously need to but if it becomes myopic then it ends up just being saying every conversation is about uber is it good or is it bad when you're thinking when there's something much bigger to be had when there's something much bigger to be had there about um talking about actually the concepts and whether they work or not. And I think that's what I'm really excited in hearing from you is saying, I want to explore like what is working and who's doing it and how can we change this to make it better?
1: Yeah. One of the reasons why I've sort of glommed on to Right to Repair is because it does highlight a problem, which is sort of this ownership of technology, but it does it from a very positive way because there's this huge movement of people who are fixing their own things and spreading knowledge and sort of Doing DIY stuff and teaching people how to to fix their things and keep e waste from entering landfills and keeping people from throwing their phones in uh, you know, their shoebox and leaving it there forever. And so I think that's what I'd like to do the most is like talk about problems through the people who are looking for solutions rather than saying, This is a problem, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. but what are we gonna do about it? I like that. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Can I do yeah. that? I mean, you've done this for four, five years, five years. Uh, I was uh, EIC for four years, I think. Four years. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think the way that you looked at technology and how you like managed motherboard changed over those four years? Like what what was Derek Mead, the editor in chief, four years ago versus Derek Mead? Oh, that's a good like, question. Six months ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh Jesus Christ. That's a <laughs> Um, that's a really good question Um, so let's see so I started at motherboard six years ago um, when I was a wee lad of 23 Um, I first started caring about technology when I was much younger probably 15 and I was really into gadgets Um, when I was in college I read Gizmodo every single day back in the like fairly early days for them because I was obsessed with phones obsessed with cameras I love specs Love learning about new megapixels. Like I just like, I remember the first time I bought a uh, Nikon D eight hundred at DSLR with 36 megapixel photos. The photos were so big, the files were so big that I actually couldn't edit them um on my laptop at the time because it would just crash Lightroom every time I said it had enough RAM. But I was like, fuck yeah, that's like a badass. <laughs> that's camera. what I want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of how I came into motherboard, um, but also feeling like you know technology rules. But I also really want to get a sense of like what's actually cool out there because like anyone can buy a gadget, and the reason why we love them is because we like to fetishize them. It's the same way that we fetishize a you know fancy car, or fancy bike, or fancy wines or fancy dinner. It's like I want to have these things that have, somehow have an allure that I can't reach. Um, or maybe I can and I feel good about it. But either way, it's just all consumerism. And what excited me about Motherboard, especially in its early days, was that it did none of those things. And it was just constantly just um, in- investigating just how uh, technology is actually being put to use by people who don't give a shit about anything that's being put in a catalog somewhere, you know? Uh, and. That uh, was a really refreshing look at something that was becoming an incredibly pervasive force in our lives. Um, I don't even think I had a smartphone when I started at Motherboard. And then when I uh, took over as EIC um, and then doing that for the last four years, I think what's grown the most for me is uh, I just I went through a period where I got very jaded and said, like, everything in technology is ruining our lives. Um, And I'm starting to feel more positive again. Um, But only because I think that the literacy of people understanding how powerful these just constant like omnipresent feelings of like either it's data or apps or gadgets or whatever. Tech is everything in our lives now. And the fact that people are starting to realize that on a fully massive scale means that I think that there's actually hope to make something good out of it. Um, And we look at that globally in so many stories around the world. Um, Where people are saying like, look, okay, let's take the power structure in place and how can I subvert it to my own ends? And that's what I really like to see. So I think that there's hope. Um, But I'm still definitely pessimistic because like Google owns my life now. Um, They know everything about me. Um, And who knows who else? You know, I literally had breakfast with a friend this morning who works for a company that does social insights, pulling data from Twitter's uh, API. And they can literally find info about anything from anyone. So if someone tweeted a positive thing about your brand you can look at their uh everything about their socioeconomic background and then find other people exactly like that to target them and then find out more insights so you can like just take over the world and it's happening more seamlessly every day yeah just right? automatic it's like, yeah. i mean it's crazy um so the fact that all of this is happening in the background of people saying like how do i actually use technology for good for me not for good for like capital g like shiny you know twinkly music and fancy commercials, like literally people saying, how do I make my current reality better? Um, It's a very interesting dynamic and I feel good about it in a way that I didn't in the past. But at the same time, like I'm really sick of my phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to do an experiment in which I quit all five major tech companies, which is... Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. Yeah. And I was going to try to do that for a month. And I think that I could have done it, but I did, I started interviewing for this job and suddenly I was like, I need Google, I need like Gchat to like keep in touch <laughs> with various people advice and things like yeah. that. But I did look into getting a phone that had nothing to do with either Google or Apple or Microsoft and it's almost impossible. Yeah. Um, I spent like three or four days flashing this weird ROM of... Uh, this Linux-based operating system called Sailfish to an old phone, um, and I played around with it for a few days, it doesn't really work that well. And it's mm-hmm. like you cannot escape these companies. You, you really can't. And so, um, I mean, whether that's a good or bad thing, I'm not sure. It's it's somewhere in between. But it's just something that everyone sort of needs to be aware of. Like, If, if you're not being tracked, there's the possibility of being tracked by one of these five companies at essentially any moment in your life. Yeah. Yeah. This is why uh, yeah. you should always be vigilant. You should always be vigilant, yes. Um, it's interesting, too, in the
2: context of uh, these companies being basically too big to fail. Um, great buzzword, but they are. But right now we're seeing Uber going through like an incredible reckoning. Um, and that's probably because uh, Uber's leadership for a very long time has just been like reckless and like just like proudly just assholes, I guess. And that doesn't really work out well for a company. Um, but it, I'm very curious to see... If uh, Google, Facebook, Apple, it won't be Apple because they have like more money than any country (laughs) on earth. Um, But someone eventually is going to have to collapse, I would
1: think. Yeah. Or maybe get broken up. I don't know. I mean. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't know what that would look like. Maybe we can explore it. That's a good. uh, (laughs) There it is. A good topic
2: uh, for motherboard. Okay, I think we should do a lightning round right now. Okay. Um, Classic uh, motherboard feature, good or bad. So I'm going to just fire some at you. Um, Future,
1: good or bad? Good. Why? Because we're still making it. I mean, it, it's, it's in our hands, which is a lame thing to say, but no, it, a it, it, really, it really is. I mean, I think, yeah, it's uh, if you say that the future is bad, then like, why bother? I wouldn't be here if, if I thought that. Wow. That's profound. I really like it. <laughs> I like, literally forgot the next one. Uh, OK. Uh, motherboard, good or bad? Good. The best. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Good. Um, how about the future of Motherboard? Better than the first two answers. <laughs> Whatever I said, I used the best too early. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, cell phones, smartphones, good or bad? I'm gonna go with
2: bad. Ooh, yeah. But there's so much value in your there, life. There is so by much that. value
1: created in my life. I think um, I, we talked on the podcast a few weeks ago to a professor who very much thinks that cell phones are good mm-hmm. um, and thinks that people who do digital detoxes are like psychos mm-hmm. um, and there's no reason to do it. Uh, but I have spent some time like trying not to use my phone and it's really a very much it's very much of like a, re, a reset button. And so s- smartphones, not necessarily bad, but take some time away from them from time to time. That's
2: a good advice. I like that. Yeah. Um, the Twitterification of the news cycle, good or bad? Bad. That's a loaded question. All right. I, I, I avoid <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, how do you how do you feel about the uh, the current state of just like
1: constant churn? Uh, it's a mess. I don't, I don't like it at all. It's, it's just kind of, it's too much information all the time. It's sort of, it's this weird bubble because Twitter feels like a competition. Someone Mm -hmm. said the other day, I'd never thought of this the other day, but someone tweeted the other day that Twitter is a video game and it it is. I I've never thought of it that way. Oh yeah, it, uh, it definitely is. Um,
2: okay. Well, so now as the, uh, leader, the director, the editor in chief of a highly influential, uh, media property, uh what in the Sam hell are you going to do about it?
1: About the Twitterification. Yeah. Uh, I think you just need to continue to go one level deeper and not be extremely reactionary. I don't want to rush. Twitter feels like a mistake like all the time. Not not the social network itself, but all the mm-hmm. tweets on there often feel as though the person doing it is making a large mistake. Damn, that's a really good quote. I don't <laughs> like tweeting anymore. it is just really not it's right. It's kind there. of scary now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I... uh, One
1: mistweet and you're kind of
2: in the lurch. Yeah, I just... It's not fun. The risk-reward ratio to me is so low at this point that it's like I'd rather just tweet about, like, birds and things. And, like, if people get mad at that, like, okay, they're mad at birds. That's fine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Let's see. I got to come up with one more good or bad. Uh,
1: Robots. Automation. Good or bad? Good, but humans, not as good. Governance structures and safety nets and... like regulations are there's not enough of them we haven't we haven't thought about the impacts of robots and automation okay and we need to fix that
2: (laughs) i would like to note that we can get a breakout quote here of jason saying uh robots good humans not so much so that's going to be a very good (laughs) yeah that's good that's yeah When you look back on what you've done in, you know, say two or three years, um, you know, enough time to get your feet wet, but not necessarily, of course, the end of your, you know, run or anything like that. But, you know, in a couple of years, when you look back on this,
1: uh, what do you feel like you want to uh, be able to accomplish? In a few years, I I just want, I want motherboard to be much bigger than it is without losing its soul, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we're not accessible, then. If we're not accessible and we're not read and people aren't watching our documentaries and listening to our podcast, then what's the point? Uh, Because there are a lot of publications that cover the future. And if we're not the one that people are going to, we're not going to have the impact that I want to see. Mm -hmm. And so... I think we're covering the right things I think that we're sending the right message for the most part and I want to keep doing that but I want to do it in a way that's maybe a bit more accessible than we have been in the past or that we are than we are sometimes Mm -hmm. and so I want to do stories that feel big and that get a lot of attention because otherwise we won't have the impact that we want that's good yeah I like that idea yeah Um, how can uh, our readers and viewers and listeners get your attention. Cool stunts, great projects. Um, there was a guy in France yesterday who got a driver's license in France using a 3D model of himself that he made.
2: Oh, that's bitching. It's I love so that. So
1: cool. Yeah. So he just uh, did, made a computer graphics model of his face and was able to trick the DMV there, which was pretty amazing. Um, I interviewed a guy the other day who was making artificially intelligent portraits of imaginary people. So he had two, Whoa. yeah, he had two uh, artificial intelligences fighting against each other to make more and more realistic faces. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he had, you know, they looked exactly like people, but he didn't paint them. A computer did, which is cool. Um, so I think we always want to highlight cool projects, uh, cool DIY things. If you're building an internet network or a nuclear reactor in your basement, please email us. Um, we'd love to tell your story. Uh, I'm at jason.kebler. That's K-O-E-B-L-E-R at device.com. hmm and you can get us at editors at tv or at motherboard on Twitter. Uh, we're very accessible and we love to hear from readers and hear about the stuff you're doing.
2: It's beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: Are you sad me? at all? I mean, are you not sad, but uh, what does it feel uh, yeah, like no, to it, pass the torch?
2: It is uh, an emotional, uh, it's definitely emotional for me because motherboard has been, Uh, entirely my life for about six years now, but A, I'm not going away. Um, And for those of you that are listening, we have some very, very interesting things in the works for the end of this year. And then uh, the other thing is, yeah, I think it's the right time for it. I took Motherboard as far as I think I could have probably taken it and was having a great time doing it all along, but it's definitely was a good time for me to try something new. And I think that you're definitely the right person to take it um, to its uh, next level. We do have a really, really smart, really, really caring and really large audience that uh, all of you people listening to this right now, like we do actually do all of this for you. Um, and I think that keeping your interests at heart are the most important thing that we can do because like if our publication isn't doing something for our readers and not actually representing you, then what is the point of doing it? And the fact that Jason has
1: that so much in the core of his being um, is really, really good. Yeah, I just want to mention that we have a whole team of people who feel that way as well, which we didn't talk too much about—the whole core team of motherboard and the freelancers and contractors we work with. But mm-hmm. like, this is ingrained in everyone who works at motherboard, mm-hmm. and I think that's important to say. Yeah, yeah, so. no, I,
2: I think that that's it. I mean, the the motherboard staff uh, believes so much in what we do and works incredibly hard, um, and they love. Um, to hear uh, what everyone thinks Because they want to know you know, What it is that we're doing Because we're doing it for you
1: Yeah. So are you doing it for you? I'm not doing it anymore <laughs> I'm out of here I've had enough of this um, <laughs> I say this all the time I feel like I'm always promising this But uh, we are going to be On a weekly schedule This podcast will come out every week I promise From now on Uh, We've been away for a couple weeks as we were sort of getting everything settled, but we've got some episodes in the can and more in the works. So please, if you're listening, like, subscribe, tell your friends about it, etc. And we'll be back. And send me uh, Sonic memes on Twitter.